Welcome to Muscle and Money, the podcast for gym owners aiming to elevate their business. I'm your host, Andres Fiovic. Join us as we explore top strategies of the fitness entrepreneurs, uncovering the blueprints of their achievements and offering actionable advice to increase revenue, boost retention rate and expand your locations. Whether you're just starting out or scaling your operations, Muscle and Money is your go-to resource. Let's build stronger businesses one episode at a time. Welcome, everybody. My name is Andre. I'm a host of Muscle and Money podcast. And today, I'm blessed to have Kyle, one and only Kyle, who is a founder and CEO of OsteoStrong. Guys, if you don't know, OsteoStrong is one of the most cutting-edge biohacking technologies. Kyle, you successfully created a new industry within OsteoStrong, focused on, if I say this right, osteogenic loading that has never existed before. You know, you're a serial entrepreneur. You founded multiple companies with a revenue over $100 million, as I know. Probably you'll verify this. And it's driven to improve human conditions. He is also author of Unbreakable Book. And I'm so blessed to have you here. Kyle, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you. appreciate the invite and getting a chance to uh, help you and help anybody else in their journey. Absolutely. So, Kyle... What we want to do is really be able to, for you to be able to share your story. You created multiple companies, right? In the fitness world. As I understand, go, uh, go figure and OsteoStrong. I would love to hear your entrepreneurial story. Would you like to share with us yeah, how sure. you started and how you get to where you are today? Well, I was definitely happy to share it. So I'm uh, just a little bit of a rewind. I'm the fourth of four sons my parents had. So I have three older brothers. And I come from a very academic family. My father went to MIT and Stanford. Uh, One of my brothers went to Wharton School of Business. One went to Harvard, graduated number one in his medical school class there. Uh, One of them is a brilliant attorney. And then there's me. And I've always been the black sheep of the family. I've had always had dyslexia. And when I was younger and I kind of later grew out of it, had uh, ADD. And so I couldn't compete academically on the level that they were. And so one of the things that really motivated me when I was younger was this fear of failure because I just didn't want to be the failure in the family. My brain worked and I had great ideas and intelligence, but I just could not do the academic thing. I couldn't sit down and read a 300 page book and retain it. Uh, So when you have ADD, that's bad. You have dyslexia combined with that, forget about it. And so um, I had this incredible work ethic. I, I didn't mind working. I love to work. I could work 20 hours a day. I could work outwork everybody. Uh, And so I just had to find my place in the world and entrepreneurialism was a way for me to do that. Now, in the beginning, I liked working for other people, but every time I got a job with a company, I always felt like I could do this better or I would change this and this kind of thing. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that way as well. And so just a little bit of frustration. I thought, you know what? I just got to start. I got to start creating, got to start doing. And so with me, I never really had a specific passion. Like I knew what I want to do. I was always envious of people that knew what they want to do. Like my older brother, he knew he wanted to be a doctor when he was like nine years old. And he is a brilliant, one of the best cardiologists in the country. And one of my brothers, he wanted to be an attorney. He knew, I I never knew what I wanted to do. And so it was, for me, it wasn't a specific thing, but what really turned my crank was helping other people, inspiring other people. When I came across the fitness industry, that was really fun for me because that was an immediate measurable impact. So coaching people in business, helping people to become more physically fit, and these kind of things were the things that were my passion. And that had to be discovered over time. 
And so my first effort was in the fitness industry. My wife and I owned Nine Curves Fitness Center, and we became Franchisee of the Year for that when I st we started that when we were in our 20s. And it was great because we didn't have kids right away. We were married for eight years before we had kids. And she has a very similar work ethic to me, and she's a brilliant operator. So together, we were able to build that up. And back in the 90s, when we started doing that, there wasn't really software to run boutique gyms. And the leadership team of Curves was kind of anti-technology, which was kind of okay. They were 50-somethings that ran that company, and they hadn't been raised in technology. So I went and developed this company. Now, I'm not a software developer but I knew what I wanted. So I went and hired developers and they eventually endorsed it. And then they were blowing up that brand ended up developing more than 10,000 locations worldwide. And that company just blew up. So it became a business membership management platform, a billing platform that was ran in, in 20 plus countries around the world in multiple languages, handling multiple tax rates and all this kind of thing. And I was there at the middle of it, like, how in the heck did that happen, right? It was an extraordinary amount of work, a lot of learning opportunities and managing corporate level teams to software development and all these kind of things. But I think one of the, the great lessons that, that really helped me is that I learned you don't really have to know how to do everything. You'll figure it out if you're passionate and you have the work ethic you'll figure it out. And I'm not one of these people that I always kind of take ownership of everything. I read in the book, I think it was Gung Ho by Ken Blanchard years ago. And there was this level of ownership from the executive that was discussed in that book that she took a lot of responsibility for everything. And she ended up turning around this factory and did all these things by firing just one person. It went from being a failing factory to this huge factory. And I always thought it is always the responsibility of the owner and you just have to take ownership of everything. Even when your people underneath you are screwing up, it's really ultimately your responsibility to motivate and inspire teams. And I thought, well, you can figure out anything because you don't have to know everything if you know how to hire people and you know how to inspire them and manage them and do these kind of things. You could do anything you want. And here I was, never had written a line of software code in my life, running a large software company that I had created from the ground up. And so when the idea for OsteoStrong came along, Initially, it kind of scared me because I knew that it was going to be hard. It wasn't a gym. It was something different. I didn't even fully know what it was going to be or how to even make it successful. But I knew from my past, like, you'll figure it out because that's what you do. And then I guess things that sort of I incorporated from the time I was about 18 years old, I very much specifically remember it. And it was even before, before I really knew who Tony Robbins was. It was this idea, if it scares you, you must. It's like fear is your compass. And so every time go. something scares me, I'm like, oh, damn it. Now I have to do it. I've kind of become like, yes, man, that Jim Carrey movie where he had to say yes to everything. Well, the thing that I learned to say yes to is if it scared me, I had to do it. So as I sat there and contemplated the idea of OsteoStrong, I was like, start, I started thinking of all the things it was going to take to run it and start it and figure out. And it was just daunting. And I was like, and I stopped and I thought, you know, why is it that you really aren't doing this? Because I had been thinking about it for like 30 days and I got really honest with myself and I said, it's because you're scared. <laughs> Dang it. Now I have to do it. And that's how it got started. And then you hear this voice was like, you know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like Tony does when he comes in front of the cold plunge says there's no negotiating. 
Yeah, you just don't negotiate. I said as you go, and that's it. Yeah. I didn't want to do my cold shower this morning, but I just, I'm always reminded of that. Like, I don't want to today. And this moment <laughs> I tell myself, no, my hand must go turn it out. If you ever say no, it's like, that's it. You know, you're doing it now. Uh, Man, you shared so many nuggets here. Just <laughs> listen, this is uh, way better than anticipated because a lot of these conversations are towards people who already have a business and running business. But just listening to this part, encourage a lot of people who will hear you from being young, entrepreneurial, like you says, different than the rest of the family. I found myself very similar to, I'm a fourth kid in the family, I right? Didn't know that. All a rebel, getting out on, on different path and anybody else and not knowing what I'm doing. Totally. Yeah. Very similar, not having a coding experience and building a software company. <laughs> Guess what? I do relate to that, but many other people who are lost as well. And two things, passion and hard work. That beats everything. If you know what you want, when you decide what what, what you want and put the passion in work, it's just. Well, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna harken back to that book I referenced earlier because this was really important. So it was Gung Ho, written by Ken Blanchard. Highly recommend it. Easy read. It needs to be an easy read for a guy like me. And in that book, there was a, a very interesting principle that was taught in the book as this woman was trying to figure out how to turn around this factory that was going to close in like six months. And one of the things that she was taught by her mentor in the book was people need to feel like the work that they're doing is has its place in the world. It, it serves, it, it's worthwhile. And I think that if you don't see that what you're doing or what entrepreneurial endeavor you're about to pursue doesn't have its function in the world, then there, there's something that's unsatisfying about it. And if you aren't ultimately satisfied and see that it's bigger than you, that it's serving some other thing in the world, you'll get burnt out and you'll end up hating what you do. And so for me personally, like if I don't see that something that I'm doing has its place and is making the world a better place for people or whatever, then I won't do it because I, I won't even take the first step. And that's not a fear thing. I just know that if I get too far into this and I don't see any kind of personal satisfaction from this. If you've got a business that's not driving you and making you excited, it's hard to put down a business and walk away. You can't just, it's not like a job where you could just quit it. You may have employees, you may have contractual commitments and you can't just quit the company that you start. So you have to be a little bit intentional, at least I do, about this is something that I fully understand and see its place in the world and it will serve humanity. That's why you're doing it. And then when I understand that, then I know when, because you're going to have hard days and hard periods and all this kind of stuff, everybody does. But if you have that pulling you, it pulls you through it. If you're just making a widget or a service that you don't really see that aspect of it, when you go through those hard times, you're going to, you're going to fail. You're going to fall apart. That is so true. And following about that question came to my mind is, you have your career and you have a moment when you feel, okay, that's it. I made it. I succeeded. The software is growing. I, I, so many clients are using 20 different countries, multi-language support. What Tony Robbins said last UPW, it's really changed the way how I look at, a, at entrepreneurship. He says something I never heard before. He says, what's the big difference between people who succeed and continue on the path to success versus people who succeed and then fail? Because there's a very small percentage who reach million versus 10 million versus 100 million. And it thins down. That's, he calls it gladiator game. The longer you play, the less likelihood to survive. Yeah. 
But in your case, what kept you hungry? He says one thing that differentiate first or second is hunger. So what, what kept you hungry? You could, you could probably slow down. You can slow down now. It's, you know, um, so when I was a teenager, and as I sat there and I thought about kind of who I, I didn't know what, who I was, I didn't know, I, I, I'm one of these people that I wasn't born with any natural skills. Like you have people who are like naturally super smart or passionate about becoming something or their natural athlete. And I looked at kind of who I was, I was like, I don't have any natural skills. I'm an okay athlete. I'm bright, but I don't fall into the, you know, the 150 IQ or zone or any of these things. I don't have any like specific passions of what I want to like, who am I? And, I'm, and I started thinking about it and I thought, you know, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm capable of and I don't know what I want to do, but I do know an outcome that I want. And so I got on my knees and I prayed to God and I said, God, help me be something great by your standard, not by mine, right? I just want to do like, this is a life you gave me. It will expire someday. I just don't want to leave anything on the field. I don't want it to be a waste. And then a few years later, four or five years later, I heard a quote and I don't remember where the quote came from and, it, and you've probably heard it. It's like, I don't want to show up to the grave in a perfectly preserved, beautiful body. I want to slide inside up sideways, thoroughly used up, totally worn out, screaming, wow, what a ride. When I look at the, this, my, my wife, she slipped and fell on the ice and she got a big cut on her chin a few weeks ago, like four weeks ago, we had a bad ice through here. And she was kind of feeling insecure about that. And I just told her, I was like, you know, you're a, you're, you're beautiful, right? Like you're like one of the best looking women your age. And you were when the day I met you and that was a gift from God, but this is just a vessel that we live in. This doesn't even really matter. It's how it's the vessel that we use to do things in this world. And Titans get scars, Titans get beat up and every scar Every wound, emotional or otherwise you have is just another badge that you are a person that moves mountains. And it's a blessing. Like, where are your freaking scars? I earned this damn thing. And She's uh, blessed to have you, man. Words of so, encouragement like that. And so to me, I have one life to live. And the value of my life to me, this isn't for anybody else. This is for me. This is how I deal with the world. I don't think about money. I don't think about possessions. Sometimes I have money. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I struggle. Sometimes I'm blessed. To me, it was never the thermostat by which I measured my impact on the world or anything that I do. I just like, if you're going to show up, always give everything. Even when I start, first started becoming a public speaker and doing these things, I just made this commitment. If I'm going to be speaking to one person or 30,000 people, I'm going to bring it my same attention, my same effort, because I, I have an opportunity to leave an impact, to resonate in this universe in a way that might, might change somebody, might influence something. And so to me, I, until I take my last breath, I will keep driving, not because I'm hungry necessarily. There are things I want to do. It's because this is a gift and I'm going to use it. I am not going to stand before my creator someday and have to explain why I didn't utilize this tool, my body, to do as much as I can. And so it doesn't really matter that you don't have gifts or you do have them. And if you do, God bless you. I think one of the things is, and this, is, this can't be overlooked. This is really important. It's not work if you're serving. 
It's not work if you have an expectation from serving. Screw expectations, because if you're truly foundationally at your heart wanting to serve, wanting to give, wanting to help, then it's not work and it doesn't become a burden. If it's, I've got to, I've got to make this much money, I've got to do this thing, I've got to create this much influence. And it's and if you're saying I, 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 then you are going to be, you're going to be burdened. You're going to be weighed down. You're never going to be enough. You're going to have that imposter syndrome. Screw all that. Just care, just serve and screw up. And if your heart is in the right place, it doesn't really matter. I can't even think of all the times I've screwed up. They make great stories. And the truth of the matter is I grow from every single one of them. So why not? Like I'm here, I'm, use, I'm using this thing up. I'm going to freaking tear it up. But I'm doing it from the standpoint of service because life is very short and it doesn't ever feel like it's short in the moment. It only feels short when you're really old, right? Then you're like, damn it, I don't have any time left. And it's like the worst emotion you could have in the world is regret when you're old because then you don't mm. have any time to do anything about it. So I'm going to continue to make decisions to live my life because I don't want that feeling of regret. But one of the things is if service without expectation if service without trying to serve I is your driver, then you're going to, in my belief, you're going to live longer. And so I'm a CEO of a sizable company in the biohacking world doing this crazy thing. And so I always get these questions about longevity and what's this, that, or like, I said, look, there are physics of the flesh, right? You eat crap, you're going to get crap. You don't exercise, you're going to have these outcomes. I said, there's obvious things that you should be doing. But when you go and look at those uh, blue zones around the world and see the conclusions they draw, what is really causes people to live longer? Very simple rules. Very simple, not extraordinarily simple. Be around people you love and live in community. Is be one of the best biohacks mm -hmm. you can do, but nobody wants to do it because you, we have this royal eye that we're serving all the time. I've got to be this. I've got to do that. I got to be. I got to be this awesome freaking guy. And there's this thing that I don't like in business, and like when I go to, I'm either speaking at or attending or whatever, some kind of businessy event self-development, there's so much emphasis on just being a freaking gladiator or a titan. And I think it kind of misses the point because you can work yourself to death in achieving things for the world. But if, you're, if your primary foundational thing isn't giving without expectation and not focusing on you, it will kill you. It will, be the th it will be the thing that causes you to an early grave, even if you're doing all this biohacking everything. I know people yeah. who are biohackers who are not at peace. And if you're not at peace, you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to go to an early grave. And so but right. your foundation is giving without expectation, doing things without expectation. I knew that OsteoStrong would be a global brand. I know that it's going to help 10 million, 10 million people because it's the symptom of who I am, not because that's my goal. It is going mm. to happen. It is already done. I don't sit there and go, damn it, we're not where we want to be yet. Damn it, like I, I have to do this. Damn, I don't care about any of that. Like that's you just I, said it bigger nuggets here. I hope mm. everybody who is listening got it. Because one of my questions is, how do you grow? But you just said your mindset. I know it's not I wish or I'm planning to or the target is, I know with high level of certainty, I'm going to serve 10 million people. So that's the outcome, right. that's the destination. So clarity about with a, such a level of certainty where you want to be, 
It's yeah. more and pull motivation instead of pushing. Oh, I have to. Or yeah, you just you you just have to know, and it's a weird thing. Like when you look at like Mind Valley or the stuff that Tony teaches or Joe Dispenza, these are brilliant things. But it, the weird thing about it is there's a what was it a he, uh, Hebrew word I believe gnosko meaning it's it's experientially knowing something in your soul, right? And when you know something is done in the future, it's easy to say but it's really hard to embody and i don't know how to develop it um you know there's so when, a lot, there's when did you things. develop that feeling of i know like was that because you you just said it before it was very hard for you to find what you want to do and passion then you found it and then when you found it you just said okay this is my role mission this is my life mission This is um, what I've done I've done that my whole life. I think a lot of people do. And you could look at and just don't think that it's it's hard to develop that I know around things that aren't like innate or whatever. So let me think of it. I mean, we do it all just like you see a car, like I want that car, right? It's, it's just something simple. Yeah. And you kind of make that a goal. But sometimes if you really emotionally want something, you you draw it into existence like i'm going to drive that car i'm going to live in that That's house i'm going to marry that girl moments that kind of thing and so you're people are already declaratively doing things and manifesting in their lives it's how do you take that uh declaration of knowing as i could do all things through him who created me right i believe i am a christian i believe there a god and i'm saying no judgment if you aren't right like i'm not a judgmental guy what i'm saying is i believe that god created me he created you and every other human being and we all are capable of extraordinary things our biggest freaking hurdle is ourselves and we tell ourselves a bunch of crap we allow other people to tell us things and we think our failures are somehow a definition of who we are and who our identity is It's like i told my kids i said your outcomes are not my identity you can't separate my love from you if you fail at something but you were doing something i love you even more because you failed right because it meant you were trying something success never teaches a lesson failure does never does you, you don't remember you have two or three years go by where everything was easy and you aren't going to remember a damn thing about any of that and you're not going to grow it's if and it's, it's that's one thing that sucks about human beings is we only grow when it's freaking painful but they're ultimately the best damn lessons talking about lessons like you says you learn your path you have successes you have failures we learn from one and kind of build on top of others you build two brands and let's talk about osteo strong what would you do differently now knowing what you know if you are growing the franchise brand i want to hear your story from initial idea one to five locations five to 20 locations 20 to 100 now because it's a different world It's like you're going from baby business to teenager to young adult to prime how is that first of all growth mindset change how's the marketing change how did you go through the phases of that well i mean i think some of the le- the specific lessons i learned through osteo strongs and things i would do differently aren't necessarily translatable to other industries or businesses that people might be considering starting. And the reason why I state say that is I'm a great salesperson, I'm a great public speaker, 
I'm a great bootstrap entrepreneur. Like I figure stuff out. There's a lot of aspects to me that I've developed over here that are really good and really helpful. I'd learned, I'd learned a lot about the health and fitness industry through my software company and running them and training thousands of other gym owners across all different topics. So much of that didn't apply to OsteoStrong. And that was a surprise to me. I did not realize how hard it was going to be to create an industry, especially something around bones, because the people don't think about their bones. You don't think about them till you're old and until they cause you pain or you get a DEXA scan. So it's easy to sell vanity, right? This is going to make your arms bigger, your boobs bigger, make you lose weight. You're going to get like everybody's motivated by that. But people really aren't motivated about it's like telling somebody who's addicted to smoking you know, you quit smoking, it's going to kill you. Well, if they're 22 years old, okay, I, I'll worry about that in 30 years, right? Like I, my dad smoked until he was 75, right? It's not going to kill me today, right? It's so bones are kind of like that. Like, yeah, they're not going to kill me today. Why, how, why does this matter to me? And so it was doubly hard because it was this thing that people were really thinking about, but it's a massive problem. There, there was a meta study I read that the US, Canada, the, and Europe spend between five to six and a half trillion dollars a year on the direct cost of osteoporotic fractures. I couldn't believe it was that much money. Right. There's more money spent on that than on cancer, type 2 diabetes, and heart disease combined. And it's fractures for osteoporosis. And it's not even a topic in the news. And so I'm like, I have got a massive freaking challenge. So when you ask, what would I do differently? Um, well, there's a lot of things I would do differently, but there's no way I could have known them at the time. And the things that I would have pivoted and changed wouldn't really necessarily apply to a different business. So the reason why I wouldn't said pointed that out, like if I'm selling an energy drink, right? I already know I already, the, the avatar has already been identified, what people want. Are, at that point, your only decisions are raising capital and effective marketing, right? That's it. It's, I mean, it's the easiest thing to do. Or if I want to go sell shoes, you're going to have a lot of competitors to deal with. That's going to be your biggest problem as competitors. If you want to go sell shoes, right? Well, what kind of shoes do you want to sell? Oh, athletic shoes. Great. Do you want to niche it out? Like they're, these are just questions you ask. The avatars are already identified. Mm -hmm. And they know what to do. When you go out there and try to create something that doesn't exist or there's no demand. Nobody ever searched for it. Nobody's demand. Know. There's no demand for it. How do you do that? And so <laughs> I had no idea what I was stepping into. It was freaking hard. So I'm going to go create this worldwide industry that's going to say serve tens of millions of people around the world. Nobody wants it. No one knows what it is, but I have the solution. And it's a really bad problem. Now I've got to educate people on how bad the problem is. The problem that nobody see and exists because it's hidden down be behind the skin and the muscles yeah, and everybody faces. It's one of the biggest challenges why people die early is when they fall and they break the bones and they don't recover. And there's so many things. Well, it's not only that, what people don't even realize, like the, the thing that we've had to educate people on is skeletal strength is the foundation of athletic performance yeah it's like when true. somebody's lifting weights and they hit a plateau and they just can't get any stronger why is that it's because their muscles will never allow their central nervous system will now never allow their muscles to become stronger than what their bones can handle and when an athlete starts doing skeletal strength conditioning like from osteo strong they start blowing through their own records it is the ultimate athletic performance hack 
full stop. I have never encountered an athlete that didn't just start smashing their own personal records after doing OsteoStrong, like four or five sessions. It's ridiculous. Dr. Ann Sung did a pilot study for NASA because they're talking about using OsteoStrong and NASA gets really concerned about bone and muscle loss in outer space. An astronaut in outer space for 30 days can lose 10 years of bone mass in 30 days. It's You start talking about going to Mars, people will be dead before they get to Mars if they can't figure out how to maintain their musculoskeletal system. Anyway, so Dr. Ann Sung does a pilot study. She's a 31-year-old power lifter. She's a female 31-year-old power lifter. She is the only subject in her study, and she does a six-month study. Now, you wouldn't think two things. A, a 31-year-old power lifter would get much stronger because she's at the top. You don't really see people getting stronger after the age of 30. She's a professional power lifter. But two, you wouldn't think a power lifter would see substantial increases in her bone density, and quite the contrary. She saw almost a 7% increase in her bone density, but what she saw that even shocked her more was her strength increases. She was tracking how much weight she was lifting in the gym. She saw what would take her one year in the gym to achieve. She said, I accomplished in one month at OsteoStrong. She said, I saw a 12% increase in the amount of weight that I can lift in my competitive lifts in the gym after four sessions at OsteoStrong. That is, that is never been accomplished. And that's already proving for somebody who is extreme, highly disciplined, know what they're doing and find the maximum. Oh, wait, she, they, she, they she's tested a PhD. the limits. She's a PhD researcher. I can assure you she writes down and tracks everything. She knows exactly how many reps and what to do. She is like, she's one of the, the big brain high IQ types. Like she knows she's on top of her game. And yeah, for, it's easy to show results on my mom who's 75 years old and goes there for four weeks and yep, see the yep. jumps and the strength. That's easy. But then you're working with somebody who's at the peak of their game and the maximum or what they know they can do it. And then you show them. Tim, uh, Tim, Tim O'Donnell set the U.S. record in uh, Kona, Hawaii Ironman competition in 2019, uh, six months after adding OsteoStrong to his uh, sessions. We've had people win gold medals at the Olympics. We've had pe- golfer, golfers hitting the ball 10, 15 yards further. And I'm not talking after a year of Ashley Strong. I'm talking like six sessions. It's that kind of stuff. We've had cyclists. It's it's any athletic sport I've seen had this kind of effect. So anyway, I'm getting on a side tangent here. The point is, is I, I had to, to go create this industry. The questions and the challenges were enormous um nothing that I. how did you find initial traction like it is very did you use partnership did you use affiliations did you use none of that worked well uh, i tried a lot of that stuff and none of it worked so we've tried to go straight to the medical community we couldn't get referrals from doctors they got it they weren't they were like well that's interesting that should work and the science is sound and then they wouldn't refer anybody we tried, we did the combine studies with athletes before and afters, and they all improved like their vertical jump, their horizontal jump, their 40 yard dash, and the amount of weight they could lift. It all increased, had no effect. And so I was sitting there like going, I, everything I'm trying is failing. I'm having all these great learning opportunities. <laughs> I didn't like a single damn one of them. Um, and so I thought, well, who can I go after? Who currently knows their bones are an issue? And it's women, 
55 to 65 years old who just had a DEXA scan and an osteoporosis diagnosis. They're scared. They don't know what to do. And the drugs that are out there, you can only take them for like four years and there's problems with them. I'm not going to get into that. But I'm like, okay, I'm going to go market directly to those people who know what that their bones are an issue. And we did. And it was a slow grind. And then what ended up happening is these, these women would start going in for their DEXA scan, which is a device that, that measures the density of your bones. And Medicare will pay for it every two years. So as you can imagine, it was like two, three years until people started seeing the results on their DEXA scans. And then their doctors would see the results. And that's when it started to change. And that's when we started getting validation from the medical community and started getting referrals. I remember the first time this happened, I specifically remember this woman had osteoporosis. She'd been coming in. She went in for a DEXA scan. The doctor scanned her, couldn't believe the increases. So he scanned her again and got the same result. Checked to make sure his bounding box on the, the every, they did everything. The doctor was her husband. Now, today, uh, we have hundreds and hundreds of referring physicians because they're seeing these results from their patients. Because if you've been a doctor doing DEXA scans for 30 years, in 30 years of doing thousands and thousands of DEXA scans, well, here's one thing you've never seen, is anybody mm -hmm. increasing bone density without medication. And when they go to OsteoStrong, the rate at which they increase bone density far surpasses the medication. And so we're going to drop- has no chemical alteration on your body whatsoever. No, I mean, not, nothing negative. And you get physically stronger. You get stronger, <laughs> stronger bones. And for many of us, and my story is you get rid of joint and back pain and improve balance, like everything that you want. And you reduce A1C, it's, it helps address metabolic dysfunction as well. But it was, it was a Herculean task to build. I don't, when I look back through what I've had to go through to build this company, added to all the life experiences and business experiences I had that I pulled every ounce of to build this company. And I don't think there was another human being on the planet that would have been able to get the company where it is. And I, it's not to say that I'm anything special. I'm just saying that the- Even unique, yourself, you don't think you will walk that way. The if you unique combination of things that had to come together in terms of my capability, my personality, all my experiences. Determination. And I look at all that, there were thousands of pieces of variables that had to exist in me into any human being to make this thing work. I don't think anybody else could have made osteostrong. They could have made gone and made billions of dollars doing some other business, not saying that I'm anything special, but I am the right person in the right place at the right time with the right idea. And if I wasn't here, it, it wouldn't be here. It, would, it wouldn't and, exist. And what I'm hearing is, you said it down at the beginning as well, is this outcome related? You know what your mission is and, and you're trusting the God as well. And if, what you demonstrated here is just outcome. I have to make it. It reminds me of Will Smith. You know, when Will Smith was interviewed, says, how did you as an actor in this community where, you know, being in a, in a different skin color is not that easy. It's like one of 50 people that can go through this with the same effort. And he says a sentence says that resonated in my life says, if me and you get on a treadmill to see who's going to run faster, who's going to run further, says there's no two outcome. Either I win or I die. Yeah. So how do you compete against that? 
Like yeah, you, it, you it, went all in and you just keep trying different approaches. This doesn't work. Let's try another one. This doesn't work. Let's try another one. This doesn't work. Let's try. And yeah. I'm wondering for Will Smith, was it about winning? I think that there's a deeper, a deeper thing behind that. And I can tell you what it is for me, but I can't speak for Will Smith or anybody else. I remember the movie Gattaca mm -hmm. and it, Ethan Hawke was in the movie and he had some kind of genetic deficiency in his heart. And it was a time in the future where people could be genetically altered before they were born to be the best version of their parents. And so people were smarter and more athletic, but for what he was a love child and he didn't have any of those genetic benefits and he was born with some kind of heart defect. And his brother would go out and they would do this test when they were younger and they would swim out as far as they could into this lake or this ocean. And then they'd have to swim back and he would beat his brother. And at the end of this movie, his brother finally said, how did you beat me? Like, I'm stronger. I'm fat. Like, I'm, I'm better than you than every way. And you've got a heart defect. How did you beat me? And uh, Ethan Hawke said, I never saved any energy for the, for the swim back. He didn't oh. care. Now, <clears throat> the the thing about that is, and this is where I think it really comes down to the core of what you just said, whether it's Will Smith or Ethan Hawke in that movie or Kyle Zagrodsky or anybody else where the math doesn't math. Like, why are, why are you doing this, right? Why are you willing to go through that? And it comes down to identity and what, your, what does your identity rely in? And identity is the most powerful force in all human beings. If you think you can or you think you can't, you're right kind of thing. And for me, I, I told you my identity in the future, like who I am. Why do I exist? I exist because I've been given this gift of a human body and a brain, and I'm going to use it all up. And that is my identity. And I will not go to the grave in a perfectly preserved body. And yeah, um, because my identity is that I, I serve without I in that sentence. I don't serve for me. I serve for other people. And that's because that's my identity. I don't compete to win. I don't even compete. I just show up and I be the best version of Kyle. Playing a game with a friend of mine and his kids are wicked smart. And we are playing that game by... Robert Kiyosaki, and it's like a kind of a Monopoly kind of game. It's like the money. I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, money game, like his version of Monopoly. That, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we're playing that game. And the whole game, I'm losing. And, and at the end, I won. And so <laughs> my friend's kid at the end said, Mr. Zagrodsky, this kid's probably going to get accepted to Harvard. He's applied like every, he's super, super incredible, one-of-a-kind kid. And he says, how did you win? And I said, that is the best question you could have asked. And I said, I'm going to honor that. And I'm going to tell you how it is. I said, you, the difference between me and you in the game is you were trying to win the game. And I said, the game is a metaphor for life. And I said, because you were trying to win and you were arrogant, everybody was trying to beat you. But I was constantly trying to help you. I saw it as a game and I wanted it to be fun for all of you. Nothing more you want to do than beat the CEO of the company and the business is a businessy kind of game. And I said, all I was trying to do was serve you and make it fun for everybody. And everybody started helping me because I was losing the game. And I said, life is like that. I said, stop trying to beat everybody. Everybody knows you're smart. Everybody, you're going to intimidate people and they're going to, they're going to cheer when you fall or you fail. 
what you want is you want people around you that will pick you up and carry you and do things to help you because you're failing. And I said, live your life like that and you will ex you will far exceed a guy like me. You have so many things against you. Stop trying to beat everybody. You're just going to just intimidate everybody. I said, I'm not intimidated by you. I, I cheer for you. And I said, but your peers will, they'll celebrate your failures. You don't want that. Yeah, they'll wait for your weaknesses to see you. I told you so, or something yeah. like that. That's a brilliant story. That I'm, I'm pleased that you share that because it, one of the biggest drivers for many business owners is ego. Who can get that bigger, faster, more of something? But this story of yours, through the whole podcast, really demonstrated that psychology of success is not just about tactics. It's about psychology. Really, the secret to success is psychology. And 80% of what you're just saying is your way of thinking. Like, how do you position yourself and everything else becomes irrelevant from the moment says, what I did, it's not that it might not work for your business. It will not work for your business. Yeah. You just, but what I think and how I position myself and my thought process, my psychology, my, my mindset is applicable across everybody. And that yeah. determination cannot go wrong. So I hope that, that this is something that everybody listening to this podcast is also getting as I do. I appreciate this incredible insights, Kyle. What I want to wrap this one up is final two questions. One is very short. What's your future plans for OsteoStrong? And what? how do you see it next couple of years going forward? There will be 10,000 plus OsteoStrongs in the world. We're going to do it. We're going to accomplish a lot of things. And uh, I don't really know the how on some of these things, but we we just signed a big deal this past weekend that's going to accelerate things a lot. And I'm not, I haven't made any announcement about it yet, so I'm not going to make it here, but you, we'll continue to do deals and to expand things. And there will be a lot of locations and the brand will continue to innovate and grow and do amazing things. And it, it will do that because I'm sitting here at the helm. As far as like bigger goals that I want to accomplish, and for human beings, just real, real quick, bone mass in the in Western civilization and probably around the world has been declining since the 1900s. It's been proven with research. Human beings are getting weaker. And as mm -hmm. we get weaker, all kinds of health problems result. Type 2 diabetes, sarcopenia, all, you know, all, it goes on and on. Dementia, all these things are kind of related. And people say, oh, it's because nutrition and all that. That's part of it. It's just that there's people just aren't doing as much. We don't physically have to do nearly as much as people had to do back in 1920 versus 2020-ish, right? And so we just don't move around as much. And because of all the health problems, trillions of dollars of health problems associated with weakening human beings, my what I ultimately want to see happen is all of our osteostrong technologies in every high school around the world. The reason why I want that is because peak bone mass in human beings is usually achieved at 30 and then starts to decline, unless you're going to OsteoStrong, at about 1% per year. If peak bone masses are dropping year over year, then you start seeing people getting weaker, weaker, faster in life. We're having, we're even seeing people in their 30s get full bone osteoporosis now, which is shocking. I see it as an almost an extinction level event for humanity over the next 50 to 75 years is bone density because at the rate that we lose it as human beings, then it affects um, uh, I never think it's designed for that. fertility and so forth. If I, if I can get it into high schools and kids just did this once a week for four years, their peak bone mass would be so high 
by the time they were 30 years old, in 40, 50 years, you would never read the word osteoporosis. That's right. This is incredible. And when it can happen. You are God's given person on this planet to solve the problem that we didn't even know exist. And yep. now so. it's coming to it's coming available to everybody, not just a few out there. I'm blessed. My mom used the service. I use the service. It's incredible demonstration of strength that, that everybody can witness by sitting in, in an osteostroke machine and seeing what you're capable of. My own expectations in the gym change radically because I sit there and I can push 2,000 pounds like, is this real? Right? <laughs> and I'm probably amateur there. But later on, when, I, when I'm doing gym, it's like, hey, these muscles can have a lot more, buddy. Like, just do it right. And, and yep. you know, you raise the bar. You raise the bar of what you are capable of doing, but also the muscles and bones and everything aligned with that. And it's for me, I like numbers, and you guys demonstrate by numbers progress. And for my mom, who is 75, who can barely make a step further than one feet, like a little penguin coming up, walking, barely can sit into that machine. Three weeks later, she's proud. It's like she's seeing the progress and charts are jumping up. It's like, and she has, has, her, has, her pay, has her pace improved? I totally has changed. Totally I'll tell you changed. what, there's a... Um, I can show you the screenshots. I can show you videos. I can show you her, her charts. And first thing is like, I'm not going to the gym. So I have to brag her with that. I said, mom, we're going for lunch. We'll stop by. I was too strong just to say hi. And yeah. she was like, okay. And then later on, like, okay, let me see how can I do it now. (laughs) Let me tell you the stride, how long, how big a person's steps are, is an indicated indication of uh, longevity. If they're taking short steps, they're not long for this world. It affects balance. So the fact that your mom is taking longer strides is massively important. I'm so happy to hear that. Thanks for sharing that. That see that you just filled up my tank. I needed that. Thank you. <laughs> no, I'm telling you. And and now she she's in Canada. She's in Edmonton. And every time she comes to Florida, I take her to Fort Lauderdale location and she's a part of that. She now doesn't know everybody. She sits in a chair. She goes on the vibration thing and she's all over the place now because she sees the progress. If you guys didn't see that it didn't have that screen that that demonstrate ability and and it was like mom did you cheat at first time did you push as much as you could I was like yeah i did all of it and now it's like 30 percent, 30 like she saw it with her yeah, one, one of our locations down in florida we ac- actually need somebody's help to go help the owner she got in a horrible car accident almost killed her and uh she's having a hard time running it she's she needs to needs to sell it but she's really struggling and so if you know of anybody down there to help out Sandy, I'd appreciate that. Sure. Um, whether it's just help her run it while she's recovering or somebody wants to own OsteoStrong, that's a tremendous location. So sorry to digress. You just No, I love it. And this is publicly available. So guys, this is opportunity. It's short available window to take advantage of this opportunity because once you get to claim the area, it's very hard to get, squeeze another on OsteoStrong in. So definitely sharing. I love hearing this. Final thing is... I ask question, you give us such a huge insights, Kyle, this is gold mine. but I want to ask you my final thoughts, anything you would like to share that I didn't ask, or you have something that would be valuable for audience or final takeaways. Yeah. I mean, I that think can be a message the, to the, your the, franchises that can uh, be a message uh, uh, for future um, opportunities, anything. Yeah, my gosh, that, that's a big question. There's a lot of answers to that question and we could go on for the three hours and I, I don't, I don't want to get preachy or anything about this, except to say this, uh, there's a trend going on in society that really bothers me with what I see happening is people aren't having kids, right? People aren't getting married. And 
that whole thing is like, you only have one body, you only have one life. And they're one of the things that really impacted me many, many years ago is I was watching a YouTube of people who got to a hundred years old and they were all, they were all interviewed and they were asking different things about their life. But they were all, one question they're all asked is, you know, what was most important in your life? And they all kind of came to the same conclusion. You know, it's my kids, you know, my family, it's the friends you make. And that's the only crap you care about when you're older. And when you're looking at the end of your life and there's no time left, I want to see people just saying, yeah, I don't have kids, whatever. Like, I've got three sons. You're fourth of four. I don't know how many children do you have, Andre? You have, you I have, have one. You have I one have child. One. Yeah. And, um, and they, are the, they are your ultimate legacy. They will cause right. you to grow more than anything. And they will cause you to realize that the world ain't about you. And you don't quite get that without having them. And so my parting statement is this. Kids are a pain in the ass. They cost a lot of money and they take a lot of time. And who gives a damn? Because you wouldn't trade anything for them. Like you could take everything I've ever done, Osteo Strong, my house, everything. I would not trade any of those things for my kids. That's how important they are. So we're sort of talking about achieving all these things and all the overcoming difficulties and business and all that kind of stuff. Don't miss out on what potentially is the most defining, beautiful thing that you could achieve in this world which is bringing human beings into this world is this amazing thing. And that's just the thing I wanted to leave on it. It's what we're all here for. Let's serve, let's love one another and uh, let's help each other grow. Let's celebrate each other's successes and don't celebrate each other's failures. There we go. Let's learn. Kyle, you are a gift. Oh. I'm so honored and privileged to be here with you, to listen to stories. And I know for a fact that people listening to you will be inspired. There's lies down there that, that, needs to hear this message and on behalf of everybody listening this i, I want to say appreciate you thank you for uh, i appreciate you your very thank you for your very kind words and that's a wrap on another impactful episode of muscle and money a big thank you to our guests for sharing their insights to our listeners thank you for joining us on the journey to build more successful gems remember today's insights are just the beginning apply what you learn and keep pushing boundaries for more inspiring conversations and expert advice, subscribe to Muscle & Money on your favorite podcast platform. Leave us a review and share with fellow gym owners on the mission to elevate their business. Until next time, keep flexing those entrepreneurial muscles. Here's to your success in and out of the gym.